The Las Vegas Raiders have partnered with the global lifestyle app TrueConnect to give the gift of wellness. Transform your mind, body, and soul through thousands of hours of premium fitness content, guided meditations, progress tracking, and more. Visit tcfree.fit to redeem one free year of TrueConnect exclusively for Raider Nation. Kind of everything we talked about, brick by brick, posing our will, relentless, compete. Poise, we need some damn poise on that sideline. But more importantly, man, at the end, what was it? We was all here. Looking at the offense, special teams, then we're down to the defense, and we made plays like we said. We can do anything. Hey, look, it ain't gonna be easy. We wish they all be like the first one, but they're gonna have to grind it out on something. We know we got corrections, you know what it is. Let's nip that in the butt. But you know what, today, you know what I'm about to say next. Say the Wednesday! Welcome to Raiders Roundtable, presented by America First Credit Union. Week 11, I'm JT. We'll bring in in a bit Jason Horowitz and Lincoln Kennedy, the superb play-by-play team. You heard Antonio Pierce in the locker room. The Raiders have won two in a row. They have tremendous momentum as they head to Florida to take on the Miami Dolphins. And they got to start winning more big games on the road. This is a big test. The schedule gets more difficult. But we're here to wrap up the win against the Jets. And then we'll look into the Miami Dolphins. I'm thrilled to see what this team is doing. I'm a body language guy. You can see everybody on the sideline. Everybody is engaged on every play. Offense, defense, special teams. They're doing what they have to do. They're playing with grit and guts, high energy. And most importantly, we'll get into it on this one, the adjustments that the coaching staff made. It was two different teams, in my opinion, from the first half to the second half. So I love what the Raiders are doing. They had to do this after the Chicago and Detroit losses. They had to go back-to-back and beat the New York teams. They did. Mission accomplished. Now with Miami coming up, a better team, and they're even going to have to play better. I bring in the voice of the silver and black, Jason Horowitz. And again, my friend, that was a really tough game. Tough to call, I would assume. Penalties, things happening throughout the game. Give me your big picture as we begin on how the Raiders won that game. Well, big picture is the fact that the offense was struggling with the exception of one drive. Uh, And then you get some points before halftime. You get a stop to start the third quarter. There's a takeaway down the stretch. There's um, a massive touchdown by a guy you've been waiting for big plays from. So like takeaways, there's a lot of really exciting things to come out of that game. And you, JT, like you said this, I think at halftime, the, the motto of this team isn't win pretty. It's just win, baby. Yeah. So like that, you know, I think that was, that's exactly what you take away from this team. And look, we've, this team has won close games before this team has even won close, ugly games this year with Josh McDaniels. But there's a different sense of um, excitement from within the players and the fan base, and I think that's a good thing. Yeah, as we take a look, and if you're listening, we'll talk you through the highlights of this game. If you're watching it, Aaron Rodgers on the sideline with Devontae Adams. They were out the night before, and then we come in, and I thought Zach Wilson – looked pretty good early in this game. And I knew he would play better, Jason, after what happened on Monday night against the Chargers. He came out like a gunslinger. No, he did. And Garrett Wilson, look, you've got one major player on offense, on the backfield and then one on the outside, right? You've got Brees Hall and you've got Garrett Wilson. And they clearly had an emphasis early to get to Garrett Wilson. But this play was massive. Now, Max didn't get credit for a Mm -hmm. sack. There was an intentional grounding, you know, later in the game. There's also another penalty, and this is a theme of the day for the Jets. But that would have been a sack. And there were plays all throughout the first half, JT, where, you know, the Jets had three field goals. Mm -hmm. But on each of those drives, there were plays that the Jets could have had a much bigger lead than they did, and that was one of them. You nailed it. There were a couple of plays that the Jets could have scored touchdowns. They were knocking on the door, and they didn't get in. And that would have been the difference in the game. If the Raiders were chasing 12-3, if the Raiders were uh, chasing a two-score game, I think it could have been a a different game. What a catch by Devontae. I thought that Lincoln Kennedy was amazing, very aggressive pointing out that they were locked into Devontae early on in this game. He said that a lot to you in the middle of the broadcast. Take me back to what they were trying to get Devontae to do early in the game. Well, I can't specify the first half targets. I can tell you that Aiden had 27 pass attempts. 13 of them went to Devontae Adams mm-hmm. when the game was all said and done. So Link was on that from the get-go. And some of it worked. Some of it didn't. Uh, it, it, and so 
you know, that is certainly something that's going to have to be figured out. And I don't look, this is not a new thing. My first game in the regular season is the play-by-play announcer for this franchise was in Los Angeles last year against the Chargers. And if you remember that, mm-hmm. Devontae from Derek Carr had more than half of the targets. So this is not a new thing. Devontae is a Hall of Fame talent. And so you understand why they're going to want to work the football to him. Look, the, the, I, the, the Jets had three opening drives that got a lot of yards. And, and I think the credit – you mentioned adjustments for Antonio mm-hmm. Pierce and for Patrick Graham. Credit to both of them because – uh, they did not allow that to continue for the entirety of the game, and that's a great thing. This is one of those plays you were just talking about, right? Mm-hmm. The interception thrown to Jordan Whitehead where he was locked in on a receiver, and, and Aiden's got to do a better job of that. You know, he's, he's double teams right there. If, if, if Whitehead doesn't catch, catch that ball, Devontae's going to get laid out by C.J. Mosley, and that's not good either. You know, yeah. that's something that, that Aiden's got to do differently moving forward. The key to this moment in the game was right here, with Zach Wilson yep. stepping out of bounds. There was no need for him to step out of bounds. He was going to get tattooed either way. Look, there's no one about to hit him. He, does, he, he could still get in. Hobbs is coming, but I think if Hobbs hit him in the hip right here or hit him in the shoulder, he still gets a touchdown. He stepped out of bounds, and the Raiders yeah. got a stop and held him, held him again. And I thought the tackling was good. The pressure was good right after that, Jason. And that play right there, and that, that, that one kind of goes unnoticed. Mm-hmm. It was just a third down play, uh, and it wasn't going to be a first down. Or it wasn't going to be a touchdown anyway because it was third and goal. Um, Adam Butler is playing really good football, and, and he got his hands on that one. John Jenkins, too. Uh, I don't know if we'll see some of the stops that John had. Um, John is an 11-year veteran in the yeah. NFL, and he's kind of been a journeyman in his career, and I don't think that was one of the signings that went, you know, that got any major notice. Uh, throughout the course, by the way, that throw by Aiden was ridiculous. Yes, uh, <laughs> that he put into three it. different defenders. Yeah, but but John Jenkins is having a Pro Bowl type season, and I don't know if he'll get there or not. There's great defensive tackles in the league, but for a guy in his 11th year that's never been a full time starter, really, um, he's having a major impact on this D line. And then Adam Butler too, another guy that was kind of an unnoticed signing in the off season. For a defensive unit that's trying to find somebody opposite Max Crosby, he's starting to get some help, and it's in different ways. And Adam Butler had another good game. Yeah, we just saw before that Aiden took a sack that took the Raiders out of field goal range, and that was a big play. But once Aiden got in a rhythm and was setting his feet and throwing the ball to Josh Jacobs on a screen, you mentioned that bullet pass when he stepped in. I thought that Aiden found a rhythm here, and this is something we'll get to at the end here on what this has to look like. This JT is right before. Now, that was the roughing the passer, yep. so that gave him the free 15 yards. But this goes to your adjustments, right? Carlson's going to make a field goal here to go in a half. And mm-hmm. so it's the last four minutes of the first half, the first four minutes of the second half that last year and even this year crushed the Raiders, mm-hmm. right? All those double-digit leads that they blew last year were because of things like that. This year, they got points. And then this spark here from DeAndre Carter. Like, this is why they signed DeAndre Carter. He led the NFL in punt returns last year. He's got a 30-yard return here. And and they didn't get a ton of yards on the ensuing drive, but he set him up to have success. He did, and we need him the rest of the way. This, this needs to happen in Miami. Two games against Kansas City, and Antonio Pierce said he's getting pretty close to popping one here. For Aiden O'Connell, as we look at this 9-6 game, and it's still a tight game here, first downs were at a premium. I mean, the Jets' defense, yeah. I knew doing, you know, the, watching the Jets this year, I knew the Jets' defense was good, Jason. I didn't think they were this good. They were better than I expected at Allegiant Stadium. They were, uh, listen, you've got a, you've got one. We just talked about defensive tackles who are pro bowlers, right? Quinn Williams, who he, he doesn't have the sacks that he had last year. He had 12 sacks last year, but there's no question. He's making massive impacts uh, in every game. And he made his impact felt in this game. Uh, and, and there's no question that sauce Gardner is good. He may get away with a hold here or there, but sauce Gardner is outstanding. CJ Mosley has been a multiple time pro bowler who, who again is having that type of year. And then, you know, everyone talks about Quinnen Williams, but his brother Quincy mm-hmm. got an extension in the off season and he played well too. So there's no question that they've got really good players. And here's where the game is tied. It was that fourth down pickup for Josh Jacobs on the short that he just got, but he just got it. Um, we always hear about football as a game of inches. You know, there's the inches, right? We, we hear about the inches. Now, speaking of inches, if this ball bounces a couple of inches to the left, You've got a very different story here, but it doesn't, so that turns out to be a big play. Yeah, that's the 40-yard run by Josh Jacobs where he fumbled it at the end, and Sauce tried to get him to fumble it 20 yards into it. Very important play. You're right. It could have been fumbled out of the end zone. 
But here is the play. Aiden steps up, goes to his right. Michael Mayer goes up, moves his body, and comes down with the signature play. I always like to look at a signature play. I was behind you in the booth when you called this. I got it on video. I tweeted it out. This was a tough call for you because it looked like he was getting sacked. You had to pick up Michael Mayer, and then Mayer had to make the catch. Take me through this play. So I, in, on, on top of all that, you hear Lincoln in the background screaming, get rid of the football. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> you didn't want him to get sacked. And, and, and to that point, so he had to escape the pocket. And Mayer, who has a basketball background growing up in Kentucky, um, he just snatched it over the defender's head, which was amazing. I, I thought this is a pivotal moment too, JT, because the very next two plays are Jets' big game yeah, to get them in field games. goal range. Mm-hmm. And, and the Raiders could have given up a touchdown, which would have sapped all the momentum away from this team. They gave up those two plays, but then nothing else. And so the Jets, yes, they answered with points, but they didn't answer with a touchdown. And so, like, that was a pivotal moment because then here it gives the offense a chance to seal it. And they don't seal it mm-hmm. because there is a fumble late in the game. But they took six minutes off the clock, JT. They did. I think the Jets, I've been following Jets media. They're really upset on some of the calls that were made. This play is unbelievable to Carter. I think this is another yeah. great game on fourth and an inch and how they're able to get that first down. That This play, the entire league is looking at and talking about in their meetings today. Because everyone was talking yeah. about – what Philadelphia does with their push play. How about this play, which was much more explosive, and it kept the clock going, as you said. Yeah, I, I, and as, I think in the call I said it looked like a fumble ruski back in the day, mm. and it did, you know, except the ball doesn't go on the ground. Um, and, and credit Bo Hardegree. And here's the fumble for Josh Jacobs. Yeah. That, you know, again, if, if Jets media is saying that the Jets – there's one specific on the fan who's oh, saying that, uh, me going you know, on that the one. NFL wanted the NFL wanted the Raiders to win. If the NFL wanted the Raiders to win, that would have been called. A, uh, he was down by contact before a fumble, so that's not true. This um, this is when but, Zach Wilson is trying to lead them to a victory. Okay, we're at 3:29 to go in the game, and I thought some of the checkdowns. They're kind of smart, but they don't take shots. One thing about the Jets, the Jets don't take shots. They're big plays or bubble screens to go or slants where there's some missed tackles here. And Zach Wilson, as it's third and two, and we're talking 214, I'm there, you're calling the game, I'm in the stands going, oh, no, it looks like this team is about to go take the lead. And there yeah, it is. Well, and, and, inst- and instead you get the interception here by Robert Spillane. He hopped in front of that hitch route, which, again, was short. It was – look, I – Zach Wilson's taking a lot of criticism. You can't make that throw. You can't make that mm-hmm. throw when you're trying to win the game. You make this throw I, I in the first quarter. That. I get it, but the game's on the line. Checking down it's underneath a, on a it, slant. Come on. It is on the line, and I agree. That's a bad decision by Zach Wilson. But I actually thought he played better than he's getting credit he for. He had made eight completions. Now this, this oh. is the the first uh, throw, and and you could say Garrett Wilson should have caught that. That's the first. But here's the hail mary that seals the game here for the Raiders. And by the way. I was at Michigan Stadium when Cordell Stewart threw the ball 75 mm-hmm. yards in the air. Zach Wilson's got Max Crosby and his 75-foot arms behind him and somehow leans into a 58-yard throw that Garrett Wilson is over Nate Hobbs and almost catches. Yeah, Like, that's a heck of a throw running throw. to your left, throwing across your body with Max Crosby about to smack you in the shoulders. Um, and he gave his guys a chance. But look, it's an Antonio Pierce victory. Uh, there's no question you brought in Antonio Pierce starting this, the locker room speech. There's things to clean up. They only gained 274 yards, um, but they did have 100 yards on the ground again, JT, for a second straight week after zero in the first eight. And so as people are trying to find the identity, the identity is this is a physical running football team. Yeah, it's and a running no team. question that that is what this team is going to be for the next seven games of the season. I would agree on that. It's obvious that they want to run the ball. 40 of that, 148 was on Josh's big run. They're, they're grinding it out. Yep. I mean, it, it's a tough 100 yards or 98 for Josh, and now he goes over 100. It's very physical. It seems like the number of 25 carries or more means a lot to this team. It means yeah. a lot, not only to Josh Jacobs. It means a lot to the offensive line. They want that number. So. They want that number there. Now, I'm going to push back a little bit on that because – Kansas City, and before that, Miami, one of those two games, you might not be able to get to that number if the score changes a bit, and you might have to turn into more of a passing team. And I want to segue to Michael Mayer, something I'm pounding on radio all week. He has got to be a bigger 
player in this scheme because he's single covered. Waller wasn't single covered. Kelsey's never single covered. Some of the best tight ends in the league are not. They're doubled with a linebacker and a safety. Michael Mayer has not been that player yet. I think the Raiders have a secret weapon the rest of the way. If Mayer can be dominant in a couple of these next three games coming up, maybe two out of three, he could be the difference. Well, he's got great hands. And, you know, I, I went into the locker room after the game and, you know, everyone was around him because his first career touchdown proves to be the game winner. And I waited for everyone to clear out. And I introduced myself because he and I had never met and spoken, <clears throat> excuse me. And, and we talked about a bunch of things and he was all excited. He didn't even know the game ball was in his locker or the, his first career touchdown, which I thought was pretty cool. And then it was there. Um, but we talked about his basketball background. He said his freshman year of high school, uh, remember, he grew up in Kentucky, right? The, the the blue bloods of basketball, John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins were those guys at Kentucky at the time. He's like, I quit football because I was on an AAU basketball team and we were great. My high school team, we ended up winning state championships. And he's like, I quit football because I wanted to play basketball. And I said, oh, well, when did you go back? He's like, well, my freshman football coach made me go to two weeks of practice. He had me at tight end and linebacker. And he's like, give me two weeks of practice. And if you still want to quit, fine. And he loved it. He wore number 87. He's like, I've worn number 87 ever since then. But to your point, JT, um, he's got unique skills. Mm -hmm. He's tall. He's wide. He's got great hands. And clearly, he's got good leaping ability. The one thing that I think gets left out of what you were just saying, though, is yes, he's single covered. But is he getting enough separation to get all of that? And I don't know that's true. Now, I'm not watching the 22 or every play on where he is. Obviously, as I'm calling the game. I'm not zoned in on him specifically on his routes. He didn't have any separation on that touchdown grab. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's just all athletic skill. And you might get some of that. Um, but but maybe he becomes more of a focal point on some of those things. And I think that would be great because he is converting a lot of his catches into first downs. Yeah, and that is something that has to be a big part of this, too. Yeah, as we're looking at this again on YouTube and the other platforms, you can see Aiden looking left, looking left, tucks it down, rolls right, and throws it high point, high point. Only throw. where How only, about that throw, too? Great throw. That throw was incredible. You know, he, he's not set, and he just kind of puts it up there in a spot where, look, it's, it's you hear from analysts all the time, you have to put it in a spot where the, it's either out of bounds or your guy gets it. Aiden did like that's a great throw mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll take you one step further I didn't have the depth of the conversation you had in the locker room but I bumped into Aiden O'Connell in the lunchroom here and met him a few times and I asked him I go what was the key to that touchdown when you stepped up in the pocket and moved to the right and he looks at me and he goes it was a great catch he didn't say a word about himself what he did he gave all the credit to Michael Mayer. I came back up here in the studio. I was telling the team that. I couldn't believe how humble this guy is. It wasn't like, hey, you know, I had to step up. I saw this to the left. He gave all the credit to Michael Mayer. And I think that's what's unique yeah. when you have a player, as you know, in the rookie class with you. You're supposed to get extra reps. You're supposed to stay together. You go out to dinner together. You do things together. And Aiden O'Connell's a mature guy who's married. I mean, he's not a rookie 21 years old running around Las Vegas. Hey, I was married at 25, That's, too. Come this, on. <laughs> this, this guy is mature beyond his years, but he made a couple of throws that he had to make. And you referenced earlier in the highlights. There was one where he stepped in and threw in triple coverage with around three players, and the ball got there. It reminded me of a Justin Herbert throw that he threw here in overtime that got to the back of the end zone in front of two Raider defenders I always talk about. I love that arm strength because I believe the Raiders are going to need it. And I'm going to bring this up with Lincoln when he comes on too. This game's gone. It's over. It was an ugly win. We'll take the win. But now this quarterback might have to have, you know, a 30-35 attempt game or more so. And he's going to have to make a lot of throws and make smart decisions, taking a sack or throwing it out of bounds. What leads you to believe and what have you seen? That shell tells you he can take the next step in a couple of these games that might turn out to be shootouts. Look, I mean, I almost think it's unfair to ask him to become Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. to a tongue of Iloa in his fourth career start, right? I mean, that that seems unfair. The, the, the question is, um, can he make enough throws to keep the offense moving in games where you cannot have as many three and outs or drives that end in, in you know, with one first down and then a punt like they had against the Jets. Now, in all fairness, Dolphins defense is not that of the Jets. Now, Jalen Ramsey is back. He's played a couple of games. 
Uh, they didn't have him for the first six or seven. He was had the injury. Uh, now that makes their secondary better. So you've got some parts here for Miami that do make it difficult. They're coming off a bye and they're coming off a loss. You know, so there's some things here that are working against the Raiders in week 11 in this mm-hmm. game particularly. But but I, I, I do think, you know, that throw, because all the all the talking heads about Aiden O'Connell when he was drafted, he's not mobile. Uh, he doesn't have the biggest arm strength, all those things that we heard. But the touchdown pass, it was – you don't have to be Zach Wilson running for 20 yards. You have to move to throw. And that's what he did. He was able to move, maneuver the pocket and throw. That's the touchdown. And then with arm strength, you don't always have to be throwing at 60 yards. How many times do you throw the ball 60 yards? Not but against the Giants, he hit Trey Tucker for a 50-yarder. Against the Jets, he slung that football between three defenders with enough zip to get to Devontae Adams, who made the catch. It's timely mm-hmm. arm strength. It's timely deep balls. And it's timely mobility. And we have seen that um, in, in, frankly, all three starts that he has had. And I think more importantly, yes, you referenced this, JT. He took those two sacks uh, that took them out of field goal range in the first half. And he also took one more later in the game. But that's it. You know, he didn't, he didn't take seven sacks. And so he didn't take any against the Giants. He did all those things. He's getting better uh, in spots. And so, look. It, it's it's not a, a, a perfect body here, right? It's a fourth-round draft pick who's about to make his fourth ever start. It's are you making the plays when you have to to put your team in position to win? And that'll be the test the next couple of weeks against Tua Tungavailoa, who's having an historic season with the Dolphins and Tyreek Hill, and against Patrick Mahomes when they come to Allegiant Stadium Thanksgiving weekend. Last one, a quick one. What do you think is the one major key, the big big thing that the Raiders have to do to win in Miami. I, I, I'm going to go with stop the run, mm-hmm. right? Because, because if, if you know, the dolphins have speed that teams don't have, right? Tyree kill is on pace to have 130 catches in the first ever 2000 yard receiving season in NFL history. Nobody has that speed. And, and the Raiders certainly know that firsthand Tyreek's had 11 career games against the Raiders. So that's one. But if you're dealing with that and you're giving up five yards a carry to Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson and, and those guys, you have no chance against that offense. But if you at least can hold the running game to three and a half yards a carry, then you set yourself up in knowing passing situations where at least you give yourself a chance to stay with, with, uh, with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. So, so it's got to be that. And then from the offensive standpoint, JT, real quickly um, – Long drives. Yeah. Five, six-minute sustained drives where you're converting third and two, third and three, ten play drives. Can you get three or four of those in the game? And if even if they wind up in field goals, you're making it a shorter game, you got a chance. Safe travels to South Florida. We'll talk to you next week when uh, they come back to Kansas City at home. Have a great holiday. Yeah. Good two games here, JT. Talk to you soon, bud. You got it. Jason Horowitz, great play-by-play voice. He had another big game. Signature calls this year, and hopefully the Raiders keep it up on the road. When we come back, the great Pro Bowler Lincoln Kennedy will join us. My favorite segment. I love all the segments we have, radio, here on YouTube, the roundtable, television. But Lincoln comes in. He comes in with fire. We'll get his analysis of what happened against the Jets, and we'll look forward to Miami. Lincoln Kennedy on deck as we continue on Raiders Roundtable. Welcome back to Raiders Roundtable, presented by America First Credit Union. Thanks to Jason Horowitz. We bring in his partner, the Pro Bowler Lincoln Kennedy, the College Football Hall of Famer. And, Link, great to see you as you get ready for a long trip coming up to South Florida, one I'm sure you're looking forward to. Well, always looking forward to South Florida. The problem is that the Raiders notoriously don't play well when we go to South Florida. And I remember those days back as a player. Um, I'm hoping that they, they'll be able to change it this time, uh, this time around. But it's good to be with you, JT. Great to be with you. Let's look back at the game. And I want to start with your specialty, the offensive line. I'm not confused this year, but I'm seeing really good PFF grades. And then I'm seeing a first half that I didn't think they were great. And then adjustments. What do you think of the offensive line? Are they playing above their ability? Are they playing very well, average? Give me your consensus opinion on this O-line. 
Well, we're probably about halfway through the season, I guess. So I would say that my assessment of the offensive line is is it's still a continuing building relationship. The thing is, is that they've had interchangeable parts, mainly on the outside with the tackles, as you know, with Jermaine Illuminor or, or, or Thayer Munford, guys like this. Now, the thing about it is that what we saw last week against the Jets was sort of a patchwork type of offensive line. You put it together so you can go out there and service what you need on the field. And I thought they did, you know, fairly well for what 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 the uh concerns were. And especially when you talk about that defensive line that Jess brought. Man, it's a, it's very influential and and it's a a, a a part of their team that that is uh well respected. Um it's coming together. I I think what you see consistently is a movement to try to figure out what combination works best yes. for what you're trying to do. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and I've, I've said this before. I believe Jermaine Illuminor is a better zone blocker than he is a man blocker. Mm -hmm. Thayer Munford is a better man blocker than he is a zone blocker. With that being said, so you have that plug and play at your right tackle spot. Last week was uh, with Colton Miller being down. You know, Illuminor had to go over to the left side and play left tackle. I thought they did pretty well. thought they did. It was what it, what it, what it was worth. And for the main part, what we saw in the last two games was that the running game was getting progressively better. Yeah. So I think that's something that we can, we can uh, definitely take solid. Yeah, we're looking at some Josh Jacob highlights of the game here. And take me behind the scenes from what you've learned about his communication now with Antonio Pierce and everyone involved here. What does that mean? You've played with some really good running backs. Josh Jacobs is one of the best in a short time in Raiders history. What do you think he's talking about? And what are you picking up on when he's talking about the communication with the O-line and the coaching staff? Well, I, what I've seen, JT, is not so much communication. It's it's an, coming from the aspect of a running back who's running hard. When mm -hmm. you give the ball to Josh Jacobs, you see that a lot, a lot of times, and I've told Jason about this when we were talking on broadcast, you know, it, Josh Jacobs is making cuts in the backfield the moment he gets the handoff. That's no-go. But he's running hard. He's running. He's he's really trying to put himself out there and show that he wants to win for this team. And I appreciate that. I respect that. And I think what what it creates, JT, is that the fact the offensive line and everybody else wants to block that much harder. And the the the, the you know the coaching staff wants to call the, the, that many more running plays to try to get the ball to number eight. And what that's what we've seen. So it's coming along. It's a progression. It's something that, in my opinion, JT, that's that's been looking. We've been looking at it all season. Is trying to get the right combination play call timing mm -hmm. and obviously you know uh going out there in, in the output so it's it's a, pro a progression that's working slowly in josh jacobs favor yeah we're looking at some of his stats from the first eight games to the last two where the attempts 26.5 up from 16.6 107 so you can see a drastic change here lincoln and i'm really positive on this because i love josh jacobs game but those opponents you know, the Jets give up a lot of yards on the ground. The yeah. Giants are the Giants. And I wonder, as we get into our conversation, how that will change at the Dolphins and home to Kansas City, where it might be tough to get them 25, 26 touches a game. Well, this is one of those times, JT, where you're talking about you have to make a considerable effort to run the football. And the main reason why is because now your offense becomes your best defense. If you're able to control the ball, time of possession keep the ball away from those other offenses KSC as well as Miami then your 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 job is to slow them down that's that's what you're trying to do and that becomes your best defense so having a running game and having up to par like we've had it the last couple of weeks is absolutely essential uh, let's get to the Raiders defense as they played against the Jets this Spillane after the game they show the scar on his hand I'm sure you saw that on social media it looks like Frankenstein over his hand <laughs> he's making an interception with a broken hand after surgery look I know the history of this team and you played on this team and you're a big part of it but historically that's next level stuff this is an organization Perfect. that had Hendricks Millen Villa Piano, Rod Martin. We go through the list of linebackers, and I'm not putting him at that level yet, but to play through the pain and the injury of the hand and to have a signature play like that, let's begin with Robert Spillane and what you saw with his progress and the performance. Well, you know, I'm thankful for it because we saw a number of dropped interceptions this season. Yeah. The fact that he was able to catch it and complete it was was essential. And and the Raiders win. Look, the, the, the thing is, is that you're talking about linebackers who are going back three, four, almost five decades ago, right? Um, in, in many re re respects. 
it's it's about time. It's about time the Raiders have a defense that they can commend. Not only, you know, you have Max Crosby, but you have, you know, Spillane coming out. And and I was concerned about this. You know, yeah. I was concerned about the linebacker position. I was concerned about the secondary position. When Patrick Graham came out and said, you know, this year that we need to create turnovers, we need to create opportunities for our offense. I was concerned about it because we haven't seen it quite, you know, quite as well in the past. But it it was well, definitely well received this past weekend. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I didn't know much about Spillane, other than the big game he had on Christmas Eve against the Jets, uh, excuse me, against the Raiders in Pittsburgh, and he had a big game there, and I was wondering, is, is that the type of player that we're given a shot to? Because Kwiatkowski, before that, he wasn't up to the standard. He's right. up to the standard. This guy's yeah. got a legit position on this team going forward, and that's refreshing to me, and I said it about Divine Diablo, too, when healthy and he's out there. I love the way his body has gotten bigger and stronger, and he's able to go sideline to sideline, and that's very important here, because Going forward, I don't think they have to fill that position anymore, but it's going to be interesting because Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, two different teams, the way they like to exploit the middle of the field. So I like what the linebackers are doing. I think they're playing a little bit better than expected. And then we'll go to the secondary where Marcus Peters, you and I talked about it on the air and off the air. He's fortunate to be on this team after Chicago. I mean, after Chicago, he got a lot of heat around this building and especially around the league, and he stepped up to the challenge. His snap count is amazing. He's playing well, along with Spillane, as we're looking at his total tackles. 81, three for a loss, two and a half sacks, and the interceptions ranked number one at three. So with him playing well, Lincoln, do you think that's helping out the back end of the secondary? Well, I, I definitely think it's essential when you have a player of Marcus Peters' uh, capability. The fact is that he's one of those zone read type of corners that pays attention to the quarterback and uh, is able to jump routes. He's good at it. Mm-hmm. And look, the, the sky's the limit when you talk about his 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 ability, JT. And you talk about what he's what he's been able to do for this defense. They still need some help on the secondary, in my mm-hmm. opinion. And there's a lot of times where I consider, you know, number twenty four need to put out a little bit more effort. But for what it's worth and where we are with this defense, I think it's a growing progression much like Spillane look when we got Spillane I was concerned and I was glad that they got Spillane because he was one of those guys that that to me is able to cover the tight end and able to cover the running back out of the backfield which is absolutely essential as Devon Diablo was has been you know struggling and growing to do in the progression but you got to have a linebacker that's capable of doing it and we'll see when uh when Travis Kelsey and the Raiders uh, and Chiefs uh come on to the Raiders mm-hmm. we'll see if anybody's able to slow down number 87 you think about the years past nobody's been able to do it in a Raider uniform so it's absolutely mm-hmm. essential but Marcus Peters gives you that hand that that sort of wherewithal with that cornerback position that you can rely on so he's got to stay healthy you gotta stay out there because right now the Raiders are, are, are short on cornerbacks. Max Crosby had another solid game that didn't show up in the stat sheet all the time in this game but they were double and tripling him and chipping him. Uh, my concern is Tyree Wilson now because Malcolm Kuntz is coming on and you're a straight shooter here. When you look at the numbers and you get the rotation of what's going on, look at Max as we're looking at the highlights, making plays, but Spillane hitting the gap along with Kuntz and the rest of the defensive tackles have been playing well. But the opposite edge rusher of Max Crosby has got to feel pretty good all week long knowing that Max is going to get double and triple teamed here. What are you seeing on the other side? We're looking at the Kuntz sack and the way he bent coming around that corner. That was an impressive play. I told Jason before the broadcast last weekend that Malcolm Kuntz was one of the guys that I had highlighted that mm-hmm. I thought was going to have a big game, mainly because the left tackle for the Jets struggles with speed rush. And that's exactly what we saw. <clears throat> Excuse me. So going forward, you already know the deal, JT. You know that Max Crosby is going to be double and triple team. It's got to be somebody else that's arrived. I'm not as concerned with a lot of the Raider Nation is with Tyree Wilson. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because I believe he still has to learn how to play at this level especially coming off of the injury, the significant injury that he had coming out of college and and and, and to play against this level of talent. You got to understand something. When you're going up against the left tackle, you're going up consider who's arguably considerably the best offensive lineman that te- the other team has. So what you're going to expect to have to learn a growing assignment for it. Malcolm Kuntz has come a long way since he was drafted, and the same thing will be for Tyree Wilson in, in the end. All right, let's get to Aiden O'Connell and his overall performance there. A win, which is important. He played better. 
against the Jets than Mahomes did and about Jalen Hurts. Better better quarterback rating. So it wasn't all pretty here. He took a couple of sacks that took him out of field goal range. But the completed throws that he made, and a couple of them early to Devontae, I mentioned before you came on, you were very vocal about the targets. I was in the booth with you as he was going to Devontae early. Looking back on that, was that the right thing to do to get a young quarterback in line and locked into the best player on the field? The best thing that you can do for Aiden O'Connell is speed up his progression. You've mm-hmm. got to speed up his progression, JT. And the thing is, is that he took a couple sacks, and it was a learning you know, everything that, that Aiden O'Connell is going through right now is a learning experience on the National Football League level. And 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 you'll learn as a young quarterback when you're in your positive territory, you can't take a sack. You can't you can't get out of field goal uh, position or field goal range because that costs you points. So that's a learning process. I will say that it was a it, it's so far what we've seen out of a, Aiden O'Connell is a growing progression. And that's going to continue to go throughout the season, especially you take on some of these defenses. The fact is, is that out of 30 pass attempts, 13 of them were targeted to number 17. Mm -hmm. To me, that's a little excessive. I understand Devontae Adams is a playmaker. I get it. Mm -hmm. But you can't force the ball to it. And more importantly, what defenses are starting to pay attention to, just like they did in Chicago, if you're going to sit notoriously go after number 17, we're going to sit on some of those routes because we know he's being double covered. You've got to expose someone else. You've got to go to someone else. More importantly, you got to make sure everyone else on that offense feels that they are a part of that offense and not just going through the motions. All right, a little pushback from me on that one because Devontae, a couple of the bullets that he threw to Devontae were in double-team coverage. And I was sick of the excuse by everybody saying, well, you know, Devontae's doubled on every play. So is everybody else in this league. Jamar Chase, Jefferson, the elite players are doubled on every play. You just saw Garrett Wilson get doubled a lot, and the ball finds their way to him. And the target is a big number around here, Lincoln. It's a huge topic with amongst Raider fans. Like, Renthro gets one target for five yards. Okay, why not seven? Is it because Devontae's getting too many? Michael Mayer, I'm going to get into this. He could be explosive in the next couple of days. If the Raiders don't pick up uh, first downs early on these drives and they don't have six, seven, eight plays per drive here, Devontae's probably going to get one of the two targets on these three and outs. The three and outs got to be cut down, and I think Devontae is still the best weapon on that short slant, on that 50-50 ball a lot of the times here. I'm just wondering how it's going to play out in Miami because Jalen Ramsey's a pretty good player, and they're going to have a safety over the top. There's no doubt about it. Okay, so here's here's what I, how I break that down, what you just said, JT. The thing is, is I don't mind you trying to force the ball or trying to get the ball to your, your playmakers. Mm-hmm. I don't mind that. The thing becomes is that you can't put it in jeopardy. And, and to, to your point, JT, what I'll go back to is it's first down efficiency to me. The offense has got to have first down efficiency. You've got to put yourself in a, a premium position, whether it's second down and five, third down and four, those types of things, rather than starting out going for an incompletion on the first down. And now you have second down and 10 or third down and 10. That makes it increasingly hard to get a first down. So first down efficiency is part of the part of it. But more importantly, if the, if if Devontae Adams is double team, how do you get to how do you find the ball to get to him? Well, first of all, you understand what the team's trying to do, double team. You break down how they're trying to double team him, whether it's outside corner and safety over the top or whatever the combination is, and you move him into different spots. Instead of having him at the X or the Z, you put him in a slot position. Right. You make him come out of there. We saw against the Giants those slants that the, the, the Raiders were able to take advantage of. That was a great read by Aiden O'Connell. The reason why it happened mostly, JT, is because there wasn't a linebacker in the middle. So you're reading the defense and you're understanding what the defense is giving to you going forward. That's the same type of creativity moving forward the Raiders need to have. Just can't force the ball to 17 when you come out with a play and you know that he's double team or triple team. Don't put the ball in jeopardy. Yeah, I this, have a problem with that. Yeah, this is really interesting to our audience because with the former coach, if you took a shot on first down, it's a lock. It's a lottery ticket. It's going to be a handoff into the pile on second down. And the way Josh was playing in the first eight games is going to get, be a gain of two or three. And here we go again. It's third and seven. And with Bo Hardigree now, I don't want to see such a struggle on third and ten. Third and ten is not third and 25. Third and ten is not third and 17. Third and ten, this team really struggles running a basic play to get 10 yards with Hunter Renfro, Jacoby Myers, Devontae Adams, Michael Mayer, and even Josh on a wheel route. So I'm hoping that Michael Mayer emerges as a Dave Casper-type player on third and 10. Run a 12-yard route, not a 30-yard route. 
Get the ball to the wide-open guy because Devontae's going to be double-teamed. And, Lincoln, I haven't seen Michael Mayer double-team once this year. So I think right. third down, the rookie-to-rookie is going to be big over the next couple of weeks. How do you see it? Well, that's well, that's why I go back with first-down efficiency. The mm-hmm. fact is you can't put yourself in third down and 10. You can't put yourself in third down and 9 or those types of situations. The main reason is because defenses know you've already shown your hand where you're going to go with the football. You want to go to 17. You want to go to 16. Okay, we're going to take those two players away. And more importantly, because the offensive line hasn't been as solid with pass protection, you don't have a lot of time to sit back there and survey the field. You've got to go with your first cuts. One thing I will appreciate, or I do appreciate, that came out of the Jets game, JT, is the fact that you saw a lot of tunnel screens, a lot of bubble screens. Those, to me, are like extended runs. You're trying to get to the sideline. You're trying to get to the wide part of the field. That's what that's why I see those as. And if you're able to make the defense run sideline to sideline, eventually you're going to be able to wear them down uh, if you get production out of it. It's just the fact the Raiders didn't have enough of those plays, offensive uh, offensive play calls during the game. I've been dying to ask you this all week. I look at Mike McDaniel and what he's done from the Shanahan tree, going back to Washington. I mean, he's a sharp play caller, but he's aggressive. Yeah. He's aggressive. He's a riverboat gambler, and sometimes. Tua has those Mahomes plays, the shuttle pass, where he's in the shotgun. All of a sudden, you got a double team to Tyreek. You got Jalen Waddle far wide, and all of a sudden, he's throwing a shuttle pass to Mosert or someone up the middle, and boom, no one's there. He is aggressive, and I'm wondering if Bo Hardigree is going to want a riverboat gambler and match that at times in games, or is this just going to be a running game? Look, we're going to play keep away. Josh is going to have to get 140 yards. We're going to have to shorten the game and get Tua off of his spot. Let's transition to Tua because if you give him time, he's very efficient. If you get him off his spot, he's been known to turn it over a lot. If you watch and pay attention to the way Tua and this offense plays, they like to create a lot of – um, what what I would say, yards after the catch mm-hmm. or yards after the play. Yeah. You want to get beyond beyond the line of scrimmage, and it's yards with that much speed. Not only at the, in the running back position, but obviously you know with the the wide receiver position, the sky's the limit. There's so many things you can do. You're going to stretch the defense. You're going to force the safety to stay deep, or at least two safeties to stay deep, and that's going to take you away from the, your ability to stop the run. The Miami Dolphins have been blessed with a running game as well as a passing attack. And as you much of your what you're talking about, JT, the uh, the creativity and the fact that they, you can be aggressive mm-hmm. is because they know they have a potent offense, a potent offense that can score and can score a lot and score and can score quickly so to me the Raiders best defense is to play keep away keep away from that offense yeah we said it I was asking George Atkinson I talked to Freddie all the time Villa Piano I like their opinion on this team because they know offense and defense and they know different eras of football and this is this is a very tough matchup for the Raiders but the Dolphins haven't beaten anyone with a 500 record or better they've lost all the good teams that they've played this year and the Raiders are coming in with momentum, and, and I think the Raiders now have got to feel, Lincoln, very important question, if they can get to halftime with a manageable score. This is a team that put up 70, 70 on Denver, and Denver just beat Buffalo. So Denver's getting better. If the game is manageable and the Raiders can get to halftime, 17-14, they're up 21-20, whatever the number is, I believe the Raiders' cardio and the way they've played physically, because Denver's more of a finesse team than the Raiders are, and the Raiders, I believe, are more physical. I think the Raiders have more than a puncher's chance playing a 30-minute game. Remember, in that Buffalo game in Orchard Park, Raiders came out and scored. They looked really good, and then Buffalo, right before the end of the half, put it away. They just buried the Raiders at the end of the half, and the Raiders couldn't come from behind. How do the Raiders keep this game manageable, Lincoln, in the first 30 minutes? We have to see the effort and the sort of energy that we saw against the Giants. Yes. Not the first half against the Jets. You have to see that effort come out uh, against the Giants. And I think that's essential. The way you start the game. The, if you get down a couple of touchdowns, it, it's it's all over. The Raiders yeah. do not have that ability to catch up. They have to keep everything in balance. And if they're able to go into halftime and it, with a you know either a, a small lead or they're not that far behind, they can build off of that energy they had. They showed the first half. But what cannot happen, JT, and it's absolutely essential, is you cannot have the effort that you saw in the first half against the Jets against this team because the Raiders will find themselves down by 35 points. That's really important what you just brought up. Look at the difference between points per game. 31.7 for Miami, 17.2 for the Raiders. Now, turnover differential, minus 7 for the Raiders, that'll get better, and minus four for the Dolphins, and the Raiders are right there, but the stats lean heavy towards Miami, and 
As we get ready to wrap this up, what was the difference? I can't wait to talk to Coach Pierce on this. What was the difference with the adjustments and the energy level? I thought the Jets were the better team in the first half. They were. And then the Raiders, something happened in that locker room, and the body language, everything that they looked like in the second half was completely different. My theory is the Raiders were playing for their lives. If they lose that game and drop to 4-6, and six, I don't care if you're a Raider fan or not. No one in the country is going to think the Raiders are coming back from 4-6. Five and 5 is a different story. Did you see that in the booth, that the team played more desperate and more on fire? Well, I saw them. They definitely played more on fire than they did the first half. And I told Jason, I said, you know, when and during the broadcast, it's, it's one of those things where you watch the energy level and you watch the output and you're concerned about it because, like, what happened? Mm. But, you know, being a player in a locker room, those types of locker rooms, I've, I've had many coaches come in and say, you know what? Halftime, 0-0, zero, zero. let's go back out there, let's wake it up, let's do it. And that's what we saw in the second half. Mm-hmm. It was definitely a, a tale of two halves between this, this Raiders team, the Raiders versus the Jets, in my opinion, JT, because we saw a different team in the second half. We didn't see in the first half. Somebody lit a fire up under this team. Offense, defense, special teams, somebody lit a fire. And more importantly, like I told Jason during the broadcast, I always appreciate complimenting football. Special teams, Compliments the defense. Defense compliments the offense, so on and so forth. That circle. That's what you saw in the second half, and that's why the Raiders are able to get a win. I want you to share the story. We've been friends for a long time. You walk over the Hacienda Bridge from your hotel. you got your music in your ears. you got fans coming up to you. You don't stop. If they want a selfie, they have to walk with you. Then you right. have your routine before you get in there. What have you noticed the last two weeks at home with this fan base and the energy they brought to Allegiant Stadium? Much like the team, there's been a higher energy now that uh, Antonio Pierce is now coaching the team. There's been a higher energy out of the fan base. There's a lot of believers. And and you know this as well as I do. Allegiant Stadium has become, what, one of the great wonders of the world because yes. every visiting team has to come and, and show their themselves there. And and look, I get it. And, and the site, what's funny is that when I went to buy a cigar in, in uh, Mandalay Bay, um, the lady was talking to me. And she was like, I'm glad you're a Raider fan. I said, well, what's wrong? She's like, well, all these Jet fans are coming and buying cigars. I'm like, I don't want to sell a cigar to Jet fans. And I told her, I said, look, we want them to spend their money here too. Right. I mean, it's, yeah, spend your money. We, we also want him to want them to go home with an L. And that was a fortune that was able to happen for the last couple of weeks. Back-to-back wins against New York, New Jersey. A great thing to get the Raiders to 5-5. Five and five. Safe travels across the country to Miami, and we'll talk to you when Kansas City comes to town. Love you, brother. All right, there he is. Love you, too. The great Lincoln Kennedy. I, I tell you, he, he's, he's a special guy. We're lucky to have him. Love his content, and he brings it every time. When we come back, we'll look at the schedule coming up, and, and we're into the schedule around here. It gets a little bit tougher before a bye week that comes late into the season as we continue on Raiders Roundtable. Welcome back to Raiders Roundtable, presented by America First Credit Union. Thanks again to Lincoln Kennedy. As we go around the AFC West, and a lot's happened since last week's episode. First, Detroit going into L.A. to beat the Chargers. That was massive because the Chargers got a really good roster. And for whatever reason, the Chargers can't get out of the way of themselves here. And this was a shootout, an absolute shootout. It was one of the first times a team scored on their last five possessions and lost in a long time. So the Chargers Chargers were able to do it offensively in their defense. They have a defensive head coach in Brandon Staley. They just gave up big play after big play down the stretch. Herbert, 27-40 for 323. He had four touchdowns and a 114 rating in a loss. And Goff was fantastic, 333, two touchdowns, a 122 quarterback rating. And that's where he used to play in that building with the Rams. They went back and forth. Detroit wins the game for the Chargers. The Chargers are in big trouble now. Uh, Chargers have got to find a way, if for them at least, to try to salvage the season in the next week or two. And for Raider fans, I think they're pretty happy about the result here, as this was the, without a doubt, the most exciting game. It wasn't the most dominant game. That was the Niners at the Jaguars. But this was the best television shootout, 41 to 38 here. Got to give Dan Campbell credit here, too. They went for it on fourth down late to go win the game and to get in better field goal range, and they pulled it off here. And from time to time, the Chargers get a break like this. If you're watching, we're seeing the field goal here that ended up winning the game, and the Chargers lose in that shootout, and that's a massive win for Detroit. And their big picture is the two seed. 
in the NFC. You look at the Niners and the Cowboys and some of the good teams that are all chasing Philadelphia. They're chasing the Detroit Lions as well, and that's a big win for them on the road. And then we go to Monday Night Football, which is such a massive topic on sports radio and everywhere else, that the fact that the Denver Broncos won this game. The Sutton catch on the sidelines, one of the best catches of the year. Uh, Russell Wilson threw that six yards out of bounds. It felt like, and he caught it to toe tap here. They went on a walk-off, and Josh Allen played a terrible game, but led him back to take the lead, and they thought they were going to win the game. And the Broncos, at the end of the game, it was wild as they tried to hold on to the ball. Russell Wilson played much better. Hey, they're fixing Russell Wilson, Raider Nation. He was awful last year, and he started off terrible this year. Sean Payton needed a couple of weeks to get him right, and he's right. And that last game of the year, I hope it matters for the Raiders because that Denver game is going to be a big one because Russell Wilson's playing as good as anybody. But what happened at the end was an absolute fiasco. Why were the Bills blitzing on the last play of the game where they get a flag? (laughs) They're out of field goal range. Sean McDermott decides to blitz has single coverage over the top, pass interference, then 12 men on the field. This is a fireable offense, and they fired the offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey. So Dorsey gets fired. They come out there. They have a second lease on life, and Denver makes the field goal. And I know a lot of Raider fans want to see Denver lose. I get it. But we need Buffalo to lose, too. So taking a look at what's at front of us here with the AFC West, Kansas City 7-2, and two, it's the Raiders 5-5, five and five, Chargers 4-5, and five, and Denver 4-5. and five. Denver plays Minnesota. Uh, the Chargers are at Green Bay. I got to assume they're going to win that game to get to 5-5, five and five, and Denver could get to 5-5. Five and five. Raiders with a really tough game at Miami. And Kansas City, Philadelphia is a rematch of the Super Bowl coming up. That could be the biggest game of the year. That looks to be a Super Bowl preview again, unless one of those teams trip up. So the Raiders, golden opportunity here as we take a look at the next four games for the Silver and Black. At Miami, on the road, early slot. The Raiders are going to get out there on Saturday. I kind of like that move. It did not work in West Virginia to go back to Buffalo. That game was a disaster. I like what they're doing this time around. Kansas City at home, week 12 before the bye week. And then after the bye week, a lot of Viking fans had this game circled. And with Joshua Dobbs and no more Kirk Cousins, a game that looked like the Raiders would have the advantage. All of a sudden, the Vikings are 6-4. and four. What are the Vikings' record going to be there? So you can say – Right now, playing a six and four team on the back end, a bye week, seven and two and six and three. Raiders have one of the toughest schedules in all the NFL, and they have to win these games. They have to win two out of three of the games. They want to win all of them. This is the moment now, Raider Nation, where the Raiders got to find a way to win a game that people don't think they can win. It's the Dolphins. The Dolphins are a good team. They are not an elite team. They haven't been an elite team the last four, five, six years. It's all been about New England and Buffalo in the AFC East for over a decade. Now, Miami's much improved. And then Kansas City, a lot of fans I talk to think that's the game of the year, rightfully so, because we get Kansas City, the Super Bowl champs at home. That offense without Tyreek Hill. Kelsey's another year older, but very good. And the defense is ascending for Kansas City, and then the bye week, which feels like it's a mile away from here. That bye week, the Raiders have got to keep the energy up behind Antonio Pierce. I'll tell you this, being in this building, the energy is sky high. The Raiders have momentum. They've won two in a row. They've got to find a way to play their best football in Miami. Keep it close. Let Carlson win it late. Let Devontae or Josh Jacobs run out the clock. And hopefully the Raiders come home for a big victory party. Cigar party again. I'd support a cigar party in South Beach if they win that game. And then they'll come home for the Kansas City Chiefs. Thanks to everybody at Silver and Black Productions. Thanks for watching and listening to Raiders Roundtable. We'll talk to you again next week.